going to throw it. And he's got the touchdown! Here's Brady's pass. It's Gronkowski! Oh! Max strips it! He is unbelievable! Welcome to another episode of the Tabor Gridiron Podcast. I'm here with my son, Isaac. Looking forward to this week, Isaac. It's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of fun. Like us, follow us wherever you get your podcast. Share if you are able to. You can comment on the Podbean app, or you can send us an email anytime, tabergridiron at gmail.com. Isaac, week five is in the books. Mm-hmm. Pretty uh, entertaining. Yeah. It's boring on some aspects. Mm-hmm. And this week for the podcast, we're excited. We're always excited. We get to visit with different people, different fans. This week, we get to visit with a coach. And I think that's going to be a lot of fun to get some insights. I know you're really itching to be able to talk to this person. Mm-hmm. And we're excited to be able to share that with our with our listeners as well. For sure. And I'm really excited to talk to him. And it's going to be really fun. And we got some good things planned. And yeah, week five was, was interesting. There were some ups and downs. Uh, we did have a London game, which was nice. And yes, the Giants beat the Packers. See, I, I, I don't even care. Yeah, as long as the as long as somebody beat the Packers, I know. Yeah, I honestly. But how much? How how awesome is that? Giants beat the Packers in, in a London. London game. Like this was a big, not just national. This was like a worldwide game. I know. Boom! Packers lost. Sorry, Packers fans, but you know, hey, yeah, just I'm sorry. You got to roll with it, right? Yeah. Like, there's going to be a Germany game coming up in mm-hmm. a couple weeks. Like they're, it's a little interesting, you know. We're the National Football League, and what are they trying to do? Be Internet the worldwide football, football league. league? I don't know. Some of the games are fun though, but we'll we'll see. On the boring aspect, Thursday night football, Colts and Broncos. Oof, that was like the snoozer of a I game. Le- it was the longest game. I gave up. I know game. you gave up, and it just kept going and going and went to overtime, and it was just field goal after field goal, and you were just like. All right, what's going on? What's happening? And Russell Wilson is not playing like Russell Wilson. I I know they say he has a shoulder injury. What's the extent of the shoulder injury? I can go there and say, okay, you got an injury, but he's not reading the field the way that he usually does. Missing some wide open guys, not really on point with some of his passes. I don't know. You're not really seeing the Russell Wilson of old. Yeah, I know. And it's really it's almost sad to see because Russell Wilson, he was he's an icon. Like he had he played so well. He's won Super Bowls and in fact he actually did against the Denver Broncos and now he's with the Denver Broncos. And I think it was just the Seahawks environment that also made him succeed because obviously he has skill and that's what we saw. But just we've seen with certain quarterbacks, like even Matthew Stafford, he was on the lines for so long and they would keep struggling and he moved to the Rams and they win a Super Bowl. And I just see in Russell Wilson, it's the opposite because when he was with the Seahawks, he was in such an environment. Pete Carroll, I mean, he is just one of the greatest coaches. He has Bobby Wagner, all these other players that are just on an elite skill level, DK Metcalf. And now he's moved to the Denver Broncos where... I honestly feel they don't really have much. I mean, they had Von Miller, but now he's with the Rams. And it's just the environment that he's in is not allowing him to grow and succeed, and it's kind of holding him back. And some of the coaches around the league are struggling as well. I mean, you got your elite coaches, but then you got some that are new and then some that are really struggling and Mm -hmm. teams that are struggling. I'm not really quite sure what the answer is sometimes. It's just 
you either got it all put together or you don't. Yeah, this team, they did not have it put together. And another team that doesn't have it put together is the Panthers. Now, we know Baker Mayfield just got traded there. And I thought, oh, this is going to be the big break. They're going to be doing really good. Honestly, they're struggling. Both teams are, the Browns and the Panthers. They're both struggling. And they actually fired their head coach week five. Now, that's like very early for firing a coach. And even the... Um, the owner of the Panthers, and I quote, he's trying to make a culture of winning in the Panthers organization, and he's trying to make it just a more environment for winning because he's obviously Baker Mayfield struggling, and he's getting rid of the head coach, so then maybe that can create an opportunity for him to grow. I don't know if that's going to do it, but we'll see. Yeah, it's it's going to be hard to turn it around after week five like this and, and make a culture of winning. Mm-hmm. All right, Isaac, I want to shift gears here a little bit. I know you're itching and mm-hmm. you're excited here. We love getting opinions and thoughts of football fans, of players, and of coaches. And yeah. we are excited to be able to have a coach and and talk with a coach. If you are a football fan, you know who this man is. And he is just well-known around the league. You say his name, and immediately you can think of what he's done on and off the field. If he has not been on your particular team or in your particular state's team, you still know who this guy is. He's just all over the NFL. You are an NFL fan. You know this guy. If you are new to football and you are new to this podcast, you're unfamiliar Let me tell you a little bit about who Coach Tony Dungy is. He is a former player, NFL coach for 13 years, six of those with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, seven of those with the Indianapolis Colts, and that was just amazing with the Colts. Getting to five divisional titles, getting into the playoffs every year, 2006 season, that was fantastic. Getting to the Super Bowl, getting the Super Bowl with Peyton Manning, amazing Super Bowl. We'll talk and we'll break that down a little bit as well was the first time the Super Bowl featured a black head coach, but didn't just have one, the head coach of the Chicago Bears, Lovey Smith, as well. That was just a whole fantastic game. Coach Dungy became the first African-American head coach to ever win a Super Bowl as well. He retired in 2008 from coaching, was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2016, and now he's an NFL analyst for NBC Sports on Sunday Night Football. We get to watch him week in and week out. He's a husband, father, adoption, and foster care advocate, author, speaker, and leader. Coach Tony Dungy, thanks so much for being here on the Taper Gridiron podcast. Yeah, thank you. Well, thank you, gentlemen. It's great to be with you. I'm looking forward to it, and uh, I appreciate the invitation. No, yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah. it's, it's awesome. I want to go to Super Bowl 41. February 4th, 2007. I remember it well. I'm assuming you remember it well. Memories for me too. (laughs) Uh, It's a little early for Isaac, but we've talked about it a lot. You know, here in Chicago, where we live, we're we're Bears fans. So it was exciting to, for the Bears to get to there. You know, we're, I'm a big, since I was a little kid, I've been a Buffalo Bills fan, but you can't not be a Bears fan here in Chicago, but also watching football we were huge Peyton Manning fans. And so then watching the Colts get to the Super Bowl, you were kind of conflicted, like, oh, it's the Bears. You wanted them to win. But then you're playing against Peyton Manning, and it's the Colts and the offense and everything going on with that. 
I think there were a lot of people in, in that boat. Uh, Peyton Manning had done so much for the National Football League, had been such a spokesman. I think people around the country, you know, no matter where they lived and who their team was, they, they wanted him to have some success. So uh, we felt that, no, no question, leading up to, uh, up to the game. And I think a lot of people were pulling for us because of Peyton. Yeah, for sure. So the game starts. We're in Miami. It's raining. I believe it was one of the first <laughs> rainy conditions for the Super Bowl. Be first. And then Be first, yes. Devin Hester runs back the opening kickoff. I mean, just one, watching that was fantastic. Devin obviously had an amazing year. You as the coach sitting there, big moment, Super Bowl, and you watch the opening kickoff get taken back by Devin Hester. What's going through your head at that point? Well, I, I'll tell you guys the backstory about that. Uh, as you know, you have two weeks to prepare for the Super Bowl. The, the Bears team that year had tremendous defense. They had an offense that was blue collar, and Devin Hester, their kick returner, was the weapon. Uh, he created field position. He scored for them. He was the factor. We spent the first week practicing saying we're not going to let Devin Hester touch the ball. We, we practiced pooch kicks, kicking it out of bounds on punts, uh, dribbling it on kickoffs. We don't want this guy to be a factor. Well, leading up to the game, our chaplain gave a message at chapel about David and Goliath. And he said the reason David was able to handle Goliath, he wasn't afraid. All the other Israelites were afraid of Goliath. David went right at him, and that's how he conquered him. So I started thinking, are we afraid of Devin Hester? Hmm. So the night before <laughs> at our last team meeting, I said, I hope we lose the toss. We're going to be just like David. We're going to kick it right to Devin Hester. Uh, <laughs> and when we pound him, they're going to know we mean business just like David. And uh, was that the wrong thing to do? <laughs> so we kick off. We lost the coin toss, kicked off, and he ran it straight back. First time ever uh, that – a Super Bowl had opened with uh, an opening kickoff touchdown, and it was uh, something we had to recover from for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That that's that's awesome. That's a great backstory. It's fun to know that. Yeah. So had we lost the game, I was definitely going to blame the chat. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, here you had Peyton Manning in the the powerhouse offense. The Bears' offense struggled. Obviously, they continue to even struggle with that. But obviously, you pulled off that game. You get the Super Bowl win. What What is that feeling like? You know, as fans, we're just watching. And you watch it year in and year out, the different teams. What is that being on the field and being a part of that? You know, uh, my second year as a player with the Steelers, we won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl thirteen, we beat Dallas. And I thought it was a, a great feeling. Uh, that was the third one Pittsburgh had won in five years. And so I'm thinking, hey, this, this is pretty easy. I'll probably get four or five more rings here. Well, it was 27 years later before I got back to the Super Bowl, mm. and you realize how difficult it is and just how much work goes into it, how you have to be fortunate and blessed and be healthy, and a lot of things have to go right. So those last couple of minutes, as the clock was winding down, I really felt a sense of just gratitude and, and looking back. I remember thinking back on, gosh, how did I get here as coach of the – the Indianapolis Colts from a little small town in Michigan and a high school quarterback, college quarterback, changed positions, uh, worked for Chuck Noll, all these things that had to happen uh, for me to get there. So it, it was a special feeling. And then once the clock hits zero, zero, and they start setting up for the, the 
trophy presentation and all your fans gather together, all of the, our families are running on the field and the wives and the kids and the staff. And you realize this just wasn't a victory for the 53 players and the, and the coaches. This was the community, the organization, uh, the fans, the state. Uh, it, it was just a great feeling. For sure. That definitely sounds like a journey and sounds like a great experience in and of itself. And clearly you turned the Indianapolis Colts into a great team. And Peyton Manning was an amazing quarterback. What was it like coaching Peyton Manning? He was really a joy to coach. Uh, he was a challenge in some ways, but he was the hardest working player we had. Very dedicated. Uh, wanted to be a good teammate. Uh, worked as hard as he could work all the time and really set the tone for, for your, your whole team. So it, it was great. Now, he was a challenge because he uh, was looking ahead. He was always uh, asking questions, always wanting to know why, wanting to be on top of the details. I, I'll tell you another little detail about that game. Uh, as we mentioned, first Super Bowl uh, in 41 years that it, it rained and there were bad elements. Um, we're preparing for the Bears. Uh, we're up in Indianapolis and Peyton comes to me and says, hey, Coach, I've, I've been checking the 14-day forecast, and it might rain. We ought to practice with wet footballs. And I'm like, it has been 40 Super Bowls. It hasn't rained Right, yet. right. <laughs> Why are we going to do this? But to his credit, you know, we, we worked on it. We practiced with wet balls, and sure enough, it rained the whole game. But that's the kind of preparation that he had. Not only am I going to work on the Bears, not only am I going to get my teammates ready, but I, by the way, I was just checking the weather forecast, too. That, that's Peyton Manning in a nutshell. That's awesome. And you get that from him. Obviously, we've never met him or talked with him, but you get that as just the fan watching and seeing the leadership as a quarterback with the Colts, with the Broncos. And just that's what I think was fun watching him is you felt like he was extremely prepared and, you know, obviously having the skill and the ability to do what he did. And it was just, it was fun to watch him for sure. Obviously, it's a blast watching him and his brother on ESPN as well, doing their stuff and analyzing the games and just everything they do is just, is great. Now, on the flip side with the quarterbacks, you got Tom Brady and, you know, it was always Patriots and Colts getting to even to the championship games and now you're in Tampa. Now your your team's quarterback is Tom Brady, uh, which is kind of <laughs> yeah, funny. I, I sent Tom. I sent Tom a message, a text when uh, he first came down. I said, "This is going to be hard for me, but you're our quarterback now, so I, I'm I'm rooting for you. <laughs> you're, you're a part of the home team. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's so awesome. We had a laugh about that. Yeah, that's awesome. So I okay. There's obviously the controversy you could say you know there's the people that don't like Tom there's the people that love Tom Isaac and I are Tom Brady fans yeah. again watching what he's accomplished not is just really it's the skill at the level of watching him play and so whether you like him or don't like him as a coach what what do you see in Tom that that makes him stand out that makes him is it that same aspect with Manning of that that hard working and the going above and beyond or is it just the raw talent. I feel like there's a, a different kind of quarterback with somebody like Peyton Manning, with Tom Brady, old school guys, even Dan Marino, Steve Young, Jim Kelly, you know, those pocket quarterbacks that just kind of can read the defenses and execute a game. Well, all of that goes into it, but it's the same thing we were talking about with Peyton, the, the uh, ability to elevate your teammates, to work harder than anybody, to be prepared to, to anything you throw at him. 
I'm going to have an answer because I've worked on it already. I've anticipated it and leaving no stone unturned, uh, the leadership qualities. And we had, you know, several, we had three Patriots, expatriates on our team in Indianapolis, Adam Vinatieri, um, uh, Dan Klecko and uh, Dexter Reed. And they just talked about how Tom prepared and pushed people and wouldn't let them have a bad practice. It reminded me so much of Peyton. And then I live in Tampa now, so to go out and watch the Buccaneers practice and to see him uh, just helping the young receivers and pushing people and uh, getting the most out of everybody, uh, it's no secret why he's successful. Yes, talented. Yes, accurate. Yes, smart. But more than anything, it's the way those guys play. For sure, yeah. He has a huge leadership aspect to it, and he's able to be a leader to all the players and help them improve. And honestly, no doubt. And honestly, though, the, the game's changed a lot. And I know you have some feelings on the roughing the passer calls. What's your opinion on that? Well, I do think we have to protect our players. There's no question about it. Safety uh, is important. It's super important. You want moms to be comfortable letting their kids play the game, that they're, they're going to be safe. Uh, you want to protect every single player in the National Football League. But there has to be a balance. And we can't just say that any time a quarterback gets hit hard, uh, it's, it's going to be a penalty. And the, the it has to be consistent. And I, I think the problem we have now is we have some officials that, that really, really go above and beyond in protecting the quarterback. Some don't. So you see a call that uh, a, a guy gets hit and 12 officials aren't going to call it rough in the passer, but four are. Right. And that, that, that to me is the problem right now. Uh, I've been a big advocate for years for full-time officials. And I think every Tuesday, every Wednesday, every Thursday, they need to be together. They need to watch these plays and, and say, okay, this is rough in the passer. This is what we want called. This isn't. And have everybody on the same page. Then I think you, you can live with it. Yeah, you know, see, I, I agree with that 100%. And one, I think as a fan, you're not really aware that they're not full-time. And so <laughs> you sit there and think, you know, you're watching each game, you're watching what's going on, and you automatically assume the officials are studying film or watching what's going on and what's happening. And <laughs> and they know, do. They study uh, on their own, and their, their supervisor will send out memos, and he'll send out game clips. But to me, they need to be in the same room on Tuesday after this call that, that we saw last night against the Chiefs, yeah. after this mm -hmm. call we saw on Sunday um, with Atlanta and Tampa. All 16 referees who call rough in the passer, they need to be in the same room and say, okay, why was this called? Hey, Jerome Boger, tell me why you called this. Carl Sheffers, okay, why did you call this? What did you see? Well, I don't see it this way. Um, and, and we want this... Same circumstance, we want to call or we don't want to call, and all 16 of those guys need to be on the same page. I agree. That 100%. doesn't happen right now. Yeah. That no. does not happen. I, that, I agree 100%. And Isaac and I have been talking about it the last couple of weeks of the, you know, whether it's the concussion protocol and stuff that happened with Tua and, you know, how do you make the game safer without turning it into flag football or two hand touch? And, you know, of are, do we have too many rules? Are they the right rules? Do we just need different protocols? And I look at the roughing the passers that happened, you know, with Tom Brady. I mean, some of these are game-deciding penalties. I, you see it all the time. You watch football as a fan. 
I did not think the hit on Tom Brady was roughing the passer. I felt like, you know, they kind of both gracefully rolled over in a sense, and it wasn't just this vicious hit. And then even last night, I mean, some of these guys, you know, they get clocked or they're thrown to the ground. For sure, I can see where they're roughing the passer. It was a fumble yesterday. Derek Carr fumbled the ball. It wasn't even a vicious hit. And that's that's what wasn't taken into consideration. Chris Jones is going to land on Derek Carr, and it's his responsibility, and he knows he has to brace himself uh, and not fall with his whole body weight. But now we've got to take into consideration he's got the ball. He's recovering a fumble. And it's not, he's not sacking the quarterback. He's recovering a fumble. And so he can't use his right hand to brace himself because his right hand has the ball. So it's, it's a different set of circumstances. And you have to take that into consideration. So uh, we'll, we'll get it and, and we'll vacillate and go back and forth. Uh, extreme things always bring up changes. The tuck rule right, <laughs> is one, right, two, yeah. or 20 years ago, same situation. Uh, no, by the letter of the, the law, it was uh, a, a incomplete pass, but everyone knows it wasn't. It was, it was right. a fumble, should have been called a fumble. We had one when I was coaching in 1999. Uh, Bert Emanuel caught a ball. The ball skimmed off the ground a little bit, but... For a hundred years, that had always been a catch. Then we have instant replay, and they say, "Oh, it's not a catch," and everyone was outraged. And they changed the rule and said, "Well, it really is a catch." So um, it, it happens. We've just got to find the happy medium. Yeah, I agreed. No, for sure. I, the game is constantly changing. And actually, with with that, one of the things I wanted to get your opinion on. I know we've there's always rule changes. There's always, sometimes you do feel like the game is being micromanaged a little bit too much. And you're like, just let the guys play. Sometimes you like it because they are getting calls right, whether it's challenges and, and different things. A big thing for Isaac and I is overtime. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously this (laughs) year is an overtime rule change for the playoffs. You know, last year you watched the game with Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Josh Allen was playing off the charts, was amazing. And then, yeah, he never got the ball in overtime. But Isaac and I look at it and go, like, you had so many opportunities prior to overtime. Your defense could have stopped Patrick Mahomes. You didn't. Then you lost the coin toss. Your defense, again, could have stopped Patrick Mahomes. You didn't. You win and lose as a team. It's three aspects. Offense, defense, special teams. Like, it's not all on Josh Allen to have to win or lose that game. So do we really need to give each team possession of the ball like what are your opinions on that do you like the new rule change is it dumbing down the game a little bit is it kind of just given that like everybody's got to participate Isaac and I are just conflicted on that or just kind of like again you've had so many opportunities prior to an overtime coin flip to win the game well first of all I do not I absolutely do not think you should have different rules for the playoffs than you have for the regular season that makes no sense to me. We're going to say all of a sudden playoff, it's different now. We, we have a hundred and or 256 games yeah. that we're going to play under one circumstance. And now we're going to change it because we've got playoffs. No, it, it's either football or it's not. So I think that's wrong in the, in the first sense. And then secondly, being a defensive coach, I do think you should – rely on your defense. That's part of it. Defense and special teams to get the ball from the other team. I never minded losing the coin toss in overtime. 
because now to me, you know exactly what, what you need and it's up to your defense to stop them. Right. Cincinnati played Kansas city after Buffalo and lost the coin toss. Kansas city got the ball and Cincinnati intercepted a pass, kicked the field goal and won the game. Right. So to say, well, gosh, you know, Patrick Mahomes got the ball first and that's not fair because you might not ever get the ball back. Well, you will get the ball back if you play defense. It, well, exactly. I saw mm-hmm. 100% with you. And actually, I never thought about that. I like that where it's why is it different for the you know the season versus the playoffs. You and can, I agree. I, it should be all now, just my, the same. My suggestion, uh, which people didn't buy, but I said, I, I said, okay, if these quarterbacks are so good and you're worried about it, have a different take on it. Let's start the ball. If you win the toss, you have the choice. Put the ball at your five-yard line, and you've got it. Same rules, touchdown wins, field goal, the other team gets a chance. But put the ball at the five. Now, let's see, whether do I have 95 yards? Do I still want the ball? Maybe more people would play defense first. And yeah. say, you know what, I can force a punt. Um, you know, from the 25 or after a kickoff, you know, that's a little bit tougher. But I, I said, you know. That would be the way to do it. Make that, that quarterback go 95 yards. Other side of the coin is, hey, I can choose to go on defense first. Stop him, get a short punt, kick a field goal, and, and win the game. See, I like that. I think that would be actually pretty cool mm-hmm. to do. I'm, I'm a fan of that. And Well, and we've seen it change. I mean, years ago, you know, there wasn't even the field goal you know, rule. It was a right. field goal won the overtime. You got into overtime, you kicked a field goal, and how many teams would do it? You know, it's third down, yeah. we're in field goal range. We're kicking it yeah. game one, you know, and we watched that change to where, okay, you know, you have to score a touchdown in order to win. So, I, yeah, we're, we're kind of just conflicted on, on those aspects. Our biggest thing is the tying, you know, obviously in the playoffs, there is no, you're going to play until somebody wins. Isaac and I are not a big fan of, you know, a football game ends and it's a tie. And I'm like, can't, can't you go into like, I don't know, kick a field goal and see who can make the best out of three field goals, yeah. like a shootout in <laughs> hockey or something. I don't know. Like, we're like, you know, when it well, ends with a tie. I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I don't like the tie either. And I really don't like the fact that over to, uh, playoff rules are now different than regular season. To me, I, I don't know any, <laughs> any sport that has that that says, hey, these are our rules. But all of a sudden, when it's a big game, we'll, we'll have these rules. Yeah, I agree totally. And like even with that um Bills and Chiefs game, I'm just like yes, you could have gotten the ball, but or you could have just stepped up and played and you might have gotten the opportunity in a different way. And they did that game went how it went and it's in the past now, but there are a lot of new teams coming up that honestly I did not even think had this skill that they're playing at. Who's your team this year? Like for me, I'm going for the Saints. My dad's going for the Bills. Who are you going for this year? Well, I I have teams that I like that that I work for. Those are kind of my teams. Uh, I work for the Chiefs. I work for the Minnesota Vikings, for the Steelers, and the Bucks. But I'm really I've been impressed with Philadelphia this year and mm-hmm. Dallas. Um, and, and we've kind of made fun of the NFC East for a long time. But Philadelphia and Dallas are playing efficient offense. And they're playing great defense. And that's kind of, that's been a thing that that, uh, maybe old school football and and winning on defense, people didn't think you could do it anymore. But these teams are are proving that you can. We were just talking about the Eagles. I mean, obviously they're 5-0 right now. Last week, we kind of, 
we we were on the fence going, they kind of had an easy schedule. They kind of have an easier schedule and going like, okay, are they really as good as they're playing right now? But then they play the Cardinals, who are actually doing pretty decent. And they, you know, stepped up and Jalen Hurts has been playing amazing. Just the defense has been playing really good. And you're 5-0. and We've actually been going like, wow, the Eagles actually look pretty decent. And I, I think that they can go far. On the flip side, we were actually, Isaac and I, arguing a little bit as far as who's the best defense. 49ers defense is playing off the charts. But then Dallas, I mean, you got Dak Prescott out. Obviously, Cooper Rush is doing a great job. But the Dallas defense has just been fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, like, out of the 49ers and Dallas, who who's your, like, top defense? Well, I'll tell you, Buffalo is playing very well on Agreed. defense. Yep. And they have had a lot of people out. Uh, my buddy Leslie Frazier uh, is the defensive coordinator yep. there. And every week I talk to him. And, well, Jordan Poirier's out now. Micah Hyde's out. We yep. haven't had Tredavious White. And Ed Oliver's out this week. And this guy's out this week. And they, they put backup guys in there, and they're still playing and playing playing well. Dallas, is, as you mentioned, San Francisco hasn't given up 21 points all year, I don't think. Uh, Philadelphia is playing really, really well, uh, kind of under the radar on defense. So uh, there, there's a couple of teams there. Um, but I, we've got Dallas and Philadelphia on our Sunday night game. Uh, and I, I am so excited to see these defenses play and to to say, you know what, we may have a game that's decided by defense. And, and uh, that's somewhat of a new thing in the NFL in the last few years. For sure. The last few years. See, I, I'm I'm a more old school. I mean, I love the offense. You love, obviously, the games when they are high scoring and you're getting all these crazy touchdowns and the fun of that and things like that. But you go back to the 85 season with the Bears when they won. They're, again, their offense wasn't that great. How many teams you know win with the defense, the Steelers, and uh, just – even more recently, with well, several years ago with Peyton Manning with the Broncos, like that was a defense win of the Super Bowl. Like that, that was a fantastic game, and just the the Broncos defense was amazing that year. So it, it is fun for me anyway. And obviously, I know for you, obviously being that defensive, you know, coach and aspect, watching the team step up and stop these high powered offenses are just as entertaining. And I think when when players are playing at an elite level. You know, Isaac and I aren't just stuck on we're in Chicago, so we're Bears fans. Again, I've been a Buffalo fan since I was a kid going, yeah, I I think Buffalo's fantastic this year. I'm totally riding with them. I think they're going to go to the Super Bowl. But we love watching week in and week out players playing at elite levels as individually the best that they can and then just watching the the whole team, whether it's the defense stepping up that game or the offense or special teams. And you a couple weeks ago and just constantly one of the teams was getting, you know, punts inside the five yard line and you're yes, stopping. Yeah. And it's just it's fantastic and fun to watch all aspects for us anyway. Well, and that's what uh, brings about championship football. The, the quarterbacks get credit and the high scoring offenses, but generally your defense has to make plays if you're going to be a championship team. And, you know, you look last year at the Rams. Yes, they had Matthew Stafford and Odell Beckham and Cooper Cup, but that defense is what stepped up and made the plays when it counted. And mm-hmm. it's like that almost every year. Tampa Bay won with Tom Brady. It was it was a great defensive team. Yeah. And it kind of gets overlooked at times. Yeah, no, for sure. You mentioned this week – Dallas and Eagles being there Sunday night football shift a little bit 
okay, you're a coach, player, watching all these things, doing these things. Now you're in the broadcast booth. Now, you know, we get to watch you every Sunday night, which is awesome. And it's just one thank you for doing what you do and giving the little insights for us as fans, I think is cool when you're breaking down the plays or you're you're breaking down what you see, that it expands the game for us more and makes that more fun. So thank you for doing that. How is that aspect? Is it is it different to be sitting there just watching it and then having to analyze it and break things down for somebody on national television? What what is that that broadcast side of things? It's a little different, but what I enjoy is trying to help people understand what's going on on the field. And uh, to me, that that's fun. Um, we have just a short time to talk about the game, to show people the ins and outs. And I feel like, well, if I can come away with just one thing that I gave you that, that you can notice and say, oh, gosh, I didn't know that, or I looked for that, I, I wouldn't have noticed that, uh, then it's a win. So it's fun. Uh, it's the same type of thing, teamwork and wanting to be the best broadcast you can be. So uh, it, it's been pretty cool. That's awesome. Again, I we, we love watching you doing mm-hmm. it and continue doing it. So thank you for that. I, I want to respect your time, and I don't want to take too much of your time here. And, and thank you. I, I want to kind of close with really just asking you about leadership. You, you know, it, mm. it happens on and off the field. And, you know, for somebody even listening right now for – Isaac and I, who aren't on the field and are just living life, how? What's the importance of walking in integrity, strong leadership, and, and character? Well, I think that is the most important thing in life. And when you're trying to put together a winning organization, whether it's a, a team, a family, a business, it, it really does become the same thing. And um, I think that is super, super important. And I, I learned something about leadership when I came to uh, the Steelers as a young player, as I mentioned, playing for Chuck Noll, coaching for him. And he always talked about helping your players be better, whether you're a, a teammate or a coach. That, that's what it's all about. If we can help our guys be the best they can be, that's how we're going to win. And he put that on the veteran players. He put that on the coaching staff. So that was my mantra as a coach for 28 years. I want to help my players be the best they can be. And that to me is the sign of good leadership. That's, that's awesome. I thank that you for that. Awesome. And I, and I agree a hundred percent. And I think, you know, for us, somebody watching you coach and watching you on, on NBC and you see, you can see that leadership from you and that's encouraging to us and it inspires us. Uh, so thank you for being who, who you are and continue to be. You know, in that, I I, I appreciate your time, Coach. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been a ton of fun having you on. Uh, I, you know, as the playoffs, we get into the playoffs. You get, you know, the championship game is one of my favorite weeks of football. I feel like sometimes those teams battle a little bit harder to get to that Super Bowl than the actual Super Bowl. Sometimes Uh, we'd love to be able to connect with you in down the road during the playoffs if that's a possibility. Let's plan on it. Um, Yeah, no, let's plan on it. I think yeah, it would be cool just to get you back and reconvene, and we'll see how some of these teams are doing that we talked about. Perfect, that would be awesome. So I will be in touch, and thank you so much. Like really, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. All right. Well, God bless. Have a great day, and thanks for the invitation. Oh man, that was just that was awesome. so much fun. That was fantastic. Just getting his opinion on different aspects of the game, breaking down some of the history of Super Bowl Forty One, and just some of the rule changes. Things there's going to be a lot of stuff happening that I'm excited for and to see some of the things that Coach said 
you know, are those going to happen? What What is the NFL going to do with roughing the passers and overtime rules and, and things like that? Absolutely love it. Excited to have him on again. Hopefully we For can sure. connect with him and really get that, make that happen, you know, in the playoffs here. Okay, as we close, Isaac... I'm going for the Bills. I think I'm they're going, playing fantastic. Yeah, I'm going for the Saints. I know you're still riding on the Saints here. I don't know if it's going to go bit, anywhere. But, but they, they they might. They actually did really well this last week. They shot They were in a the, shootout with the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Seahawks, I don't know if their defense is struggling. I know we were just talking about you know Pete Carroll and, and all that, but the offense has it put together. Yes, they lost this week, but... They've been going into shootouts, you know, 32-39 this week. Last week, if you remember, the shootout against the Lions, 48-45. to mm-hmm. So their offense is putting up some high points. But on the other hand, their that defense, defense is letting you know, a lot of high points. You talk to coach about defense, you'd be like, you got to step it up a little. You know, you got to get that a little more even mm-hmm. going on here. So Balance. it'll be interesting to see what happens. We're excited to break down again. Sunday night football is going to be a great defensive game. We'll see what happens with that. So I'm looking forward to next week. I know you are as well, Isaac. I love hanging out here with you. Same. And it's going to be awesome. Again, like us wherever you get your podcast. You can send us an email anytime, tabergridiron at gmail.com. And like and share. We'll talk next week. See ya.